I think certain businesses um, that we've attracted um, either want to significantly change. They 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 want to uh, completely revolutionise whatever they're doing. We've also attracted the ones with very strong ethical purpose, and, and I think that idea that businesses can create profit and reduce impact at the same time is uh, absolutely uh, the right way. I'm Johnny Prest, and this is the Brand Master Flash Podcast. Your brand is your community. It's their instinctive connectedness with you in their hearts and minds. This podcast explores how to define and deliver a brand strategy that is true to who you really are. It will inspire your team, connect you with your customers, and make a positive difference. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's Johnny here. Thanks for tuning in. For the past few years, I've been specialising as a brand strategist. And the majority of the work that I do with my clients focuses on the core truth. So that's the purpose, the vision and the philosophy. But at my heart, I'm a designer. And beyond that, I'm an artist. And I love the visual side of brand building. I love the creation of the artistic side of making a brand look really beautiful and really smart. Recently, I had the pleasure of chatting to someone who does exactly that. It's the owner and the founder of the creative agency based in London called C, and that's Brian Edmondson. Brian and his team have an incredible way of looking at a brand, creating a brand visually. They work as commercial artists and designers, and they are the purists in craft, in design of a brand. They love the artistic side of things. They love creating something that's really, really beautiful. Me and Brian spoke about lots of different things. We talked about his agency, and how he's built it up over the last 25 years. We talked about how he finds work and how he approaches a brief. And we talked about creativity and what gets him excited and what motivates him and what inspires him. So this is the interview with the founder and owner of the creative agency, C. This is Brian Edmondson, enjoy. Brian, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Right, it's Friday. What can the be best better? day of the week. It is the best. It's been a busy week. So, uh, and good to be chatting to you. Yeah, brilliant. Brian, you, you've been running your agency now for 25 years plus, which is a massive, massive achievement. What, what's the secret to your success? How, how, do, you, how do you have a, what's the, the key to longevity in running a creative agency? That's quite a big question. There's a starting question, and and it's Friday. Um, I, I 
probably our ambition is always, uh, or maybe in my head, we, we are celebrating 25 at the moment. And I, I, we do look back and think we, we never wanted this as to be a massive sprint. We always felt as though we, we had certain markers to get to. And that might have been employ someone. That was the first marker. Uh, initially get a studio, get a bigger studio. And it's always been that for each of the 25 years. In fact, this year, but obviously coming out of the horrors of 2020, 2021, uh, was quite frankly to still be here, you know. But then when you're past that, it's this year we had different goals. The, the team have increased. So I, I think we, we, I think we do it slowly, slowly. I, I, I've never been in a rush. I don't see what the point is. Um, and I think each year uh, the team seems to stay roughly the same sort of numbers, but the clients either grow, uh, new ones appear, or they're just uh, bigger and more interesting. So I don't think it's anything strategic, but um, we probably just take our time, John. I think it's almost like you've approached growing and nurturing your agency and brand almost like you nurture and develop your design that it's considered it's thought about it's crafted you don't rush it and you take your time and I suppose that almost is like represents how you've kind of grown your business at the same time yeah I I, I think we have that feeling that we uh we're never quite happy I mean I'm sure not every designer every design team we are always happy with that end result and then you want to improve and improve. I think it has. I think our approach is that year on year of let's do it better next year. Let's let's refine next year. Let's do something. You know, you look back on the first year in 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 business, has anything survived? Maybe one piece. Um, but then each year you just think, well, I want to do that. I want to do it that way. I do it different way a different way and I think you know the the team um grows around different projects and I I think I feel like I learn something each year which is great um and you can't stop that learning something new and you know there's a project we've just started now it is so different for us and I'm sort of half nervous but half can't wait because I think that's what it's about you've got to find jobs that just make you feel Oh, that's a little bit of a deep breath, but you can do it. And each year, I think we have those jobs. We'll, we've always been lucky enough to throw those jobs at us, which you can't say no. And that that's what keeps that spirit alive. It's, it's exciting. I hear a lot of agents, well, any kind of a leader or business owner talking about staying curious, always being a student to your craft, always learning and it's kind of like that beta mode always being in beta is kind of what keeps you driven and what keeps you getting up in the morning and kind of always looking at the next challenge and the next obstacle and and seeing and relishing that and using it as a way of uh, an opportunity to learn an opportunity to grow and I think the day that that goes is probably the day that it's time to do something different it is. I, I also think the, you know, we've been lucky enough to have great people around in the studio and and roughly the, the team changes. I mean, it's nothing uh, as a given, you know, every five years, the, the clients seem to change, the team um, adjusts and moves. 
Um, and we've always been lucky to have great people in the studio, but everyone has a different uh, take. So it might be, you know, obsessive with type or image. And, and it's about that as well, that, that everyone in the studio has got a different perspective, but equally hungry and, and equally, you know, doing new projects, new things. So, yeah, I think it's that as well. Mm. It's, you know what's really interesting about agency work is if you were to look at other industries and businesses and sectors, although everything changes over time, some of them stay relatively similar. So, you know, if you were a house builder or if you worked in hospitality, but our industry is odd, isn't it? That you know, because it changes all the time. You know, our clients change, the needs and wants change, the media that we work with, the mediums that we change. And I suppose through the constant of that, what is it that you love about agency work? What's the thing that gets you up in the morning? Um, well, uh, if you think about it, Johnny, uh, 25 years ago, we didn't have email when we started. I mean, bloody hell. Um, yeah. And things were very hard to move. So I, I think what's, what's lovely, our ethos hasn't changed, or my ethos hasn't changed. It is still, it is still about our core work, which is identity. It's about that um, refining a brand, defining it, etc. But But the fun now is there's more things to design. Things move, move quickly. And then, you know, you see each year, there's more possibilities. And I think you do see, you, do, you know, there are obvious trends of things moving and animating because you can. You know, I, I two decades ago, you couldn't unless you were in a, um, a studio like the mill or frameworks or anything like that. So I think the, the wonderful uh, tools you have now, you're able to just have that playful and have a play. We, we love uh, things staying in the studio. Um, and, and if we haven't done it before, we'll find a way. And, and I think all we'll work with people who um, are great on particular software systems. But I think it's that, um, that's exciting too, because you can, um, you can experiment with how things animate or things um, are produced, whether it's type or graphic or film. Um, and that, that seems to appear in every project which is exciting. That's, that's really, really, I would like to jump on that actually. That's really interesting. I, I like the fact that you said that there's more things to design. And I think that's something that I've wrestled with over time is pricing up projects or trying to package things up for clients to explain to them and educate them why things need to be delivered a certain way, why things need to be cost a certain way. So now if we do jump back 25 years ago, when you were creating an identity for someone, there was probably you could probably count the number of touch points on, on with fingers on your hand in terms of marketing material, signage, promo, whatever that was. But now with the introduction of digital, and if we think about all the different ways that we use digital, whether it be in our own homes, whether it be through our phones, whether it be externally, you know, experiences in the outside world, there's so many different ways in which we use our identity or create an identity or want to connect with someone. And I suppose, um, well, a few months ago, I, I spoke to Simon Dixon from Dixon Baxi. And what was interesting when I spoke to him is that he called everything a design system, that everything's a system now, that you or you don't just create an identity, you have to create a system that works because there's so many things 
to design it for? I suppose there's not really a really a question there, but I suppose how what the challenge is now when when you are creating an identity for a client? What what's all the thing? How do you kind of relay that and package that up for a client so they understand it? Yeah, I, I mean Simon's uh, right uh, about a system, but I think there's been a system there for, for forever and a day. If you were designing something 20, 30, 40 years ago, there are certain formats you work to. Now we've just got more formats. You know, you look at the classic logo, shape, and format. You know, we we're designing with shapes in our our head. Is it square? Is it letterbox? Is it going upwards? Land? You know, we've got all of. You're almost designing with a uh, a menu of proportions at the side of your desk, which is, you know, in one sense mildly annoying. In another way, it's it's making you think a bit harder. Um, you know, all those years ago, you yeah, you're right. We had, what does the brochure look like? You know, what was the brochure cover look like? Brochure, what? You know, um, and our folder cover, uh, or if it's a poster. So obviously, it was very much print based, which the the formats the the is all based on ISO. So you know that shape. Now you've got ISO, and you've also got digital shapes and formats and sizes to to order. Uh, an identity it does it, you do think in systems identity is systems you know and how but now we've got more complex systems um so design for identity now i think it's got it is more uh creatively flexible because i suppose it has to be you know there there is a a feel that do you have a an identity that is adaptive, generative, da, da, da. And all it's doing is playing to those formats and systems. Um, I, when we approach identities, we, we just try to give a day in the life of that identity. You know, what does it look like on that format? What does it look like on that? What does it look like on a business card, if they still exist? Um, what does it look like on a pencil, on a screen, on a poster, on a banner? You know, and that, to me, I think it makes it easier to, to present an idea. Because the, for the clients who are maybe are not as aware visually as others, they can go, oh, wow, yeah, I can see how that identity uh, unravels. Now, we, we primarily, we present, well, we've been presented on screens like everyone in different buildings, et cetera. But if a client is with us in our studio, um, down at the bottom, down there, there's a, there's a very big room with a big white wall at the end. I love plotting out big sheets of uh, AO to um, sorry to show how that identity unravels, and you can scribble on it. You can't scribble on screens, and it's a really interactive presentation, as in analog, because you use one of those because you can scribble on it. And it's amazing when you know when you're struggling with a client and just get a pencil out and draw something. They get it and they're captivated. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's. I mean, systems is right, but but now we've got more complexity and um, it allows an identity to be um, shown easily because you can see it how, how it unravels. Yeah, do you know that's the one thing that I miss the most from. Um, closing my agency studio which we did through in the first lockdown and we're now working remotely is working from home and we don't have 
that big, huge white wall. So in our studio, we had a massive white wall where we used to put up our storyboarding and our treatments and yeah, like a design system for an identity. And then we had our huge blackboard, uh, blackboard wall, which we painted in blackboard paint and then we could draw and it was magnetized and that is the thing that i missed the most uh we'd, we'd try and do it in my house but my house is slowly creeping and turning into a design studio now but when i get my new studio whenever that will be that's the first thing i want it's nice to be in your house you've got a few little people as well so they can write on walls yeah well. they do it for me i do i think you're right i mean we we do it without even thinking in fact we've done this for 25 years the we, we describe this big uh, white empty wall and there's one upstairs, there's one straight down there, there's two downstairs and we have about four or five projects all um, and we, we tend to work all together um, on all projects and even if you're not, if you're in the studio, you can see it and you can comment good or bad or even add to it. So it's like a bit of a moving uh, a moving mood board and, and of course you know last 18 months we've used Nero and, and similar things but there's nothing better than sticking something and scribbling mm. something that might inspire a, a different idea um, and you can see it unravel you can see like a whole tapestry of of mood and thinking and development um, yeah. I think it you know whilst we've discovered things work better or differently through screens. I don't think anything replaces that physical moment. I um, agree. It is it's so unique. It really, and I think that's a big part of design because design's not a, a lonely little one person in a room, it's a team and everyone gets involved, well they do here anyway. It's a bit like uh, the usual suspects. Um, where, well, if he is Kaiser Soze, he's looking at that. I don't know if you've seen The Usual Suspects, oh. when he's looking at the board and he's able to weave that really intelligent story and it's all there in front of him and he's able to do that. I suppose designers are, are similar that by having all the, the assets and the moods and the designs and the sketches and the scribbles up in front of you, you can kind of weave together some sort of narrative which then sets off the chemicals in the brain and other things come in and then it starts a conversation and it and like you said you you just don't get that same experience online no i we've got uh two presentations today one uh one is uh physical uh which is great that's the, at the end of the day and one between that is going to be on screen and guess which one I'm looking forward to. And I think it, it really does. There's a real difference. And you can, you can, I don't know, there's nothing wrong with screen. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that because we've, we've worked with it. Um, but when you've got people in a room, you can chat, you've got images behind you, you can point at things. And rather than being defined by what is on one screen, it's across a whole big wall and you can see the story unraveling. So it does feel we're not always able to do this, not just because of what's happening in the world, but we have clients across the world. So, you know, you've got to be able to manage both ways anyway. But we have we have done a hybrid where we've got a we've, we've basically set up a cam so you can actually see uh, a monologue walk. Not sure if that one works, but yeah. uh, well, know. I think there's lots of agencies and businesses now are trying to explore ways to make the the whole zoom or online comp uh, the video conferencing experience a bit more interactive a bit more like a, a real life 
you know, uh, presentation or chat or conversation. And I think there's lots of these conversations and going on at the moment. So it'd be interesting to see how the next few months and years pan out in that respect. Um, I'd like to jump on to, to see now and talk about your agency in terms of your brand and how, how much time do you and the team invest in your brand and the way that you create your identity and the way that you connect to the outside world? How, how much time is still spent on that? Um, I probably, I don't know, really. Um, we, we're always busy. And I think even when we're quiet, we feel like we're busy. And we always feel like we neglect that, you know, that thing of, oh my God, you know, is the latest project updated? Is, is our social media still working? Are we, are we chatting away? Sometimes we, we disappear for a few weeks and we just don't because we're just heads down. Um, our identity, I, you know, I think we do that one thing. We do, we work within brand and identity. Um, a lot of our projects take years to unravel. So they're not immediate things. But in terms of uh, our identity, um, I think it's like the 25 year thing. It just, it just gets refined each year. We probably started out 25 years ago with whatever project walked through the door mentality like most businesses. Uh, now we're a lot more choosy and we don't work on every project. So maybe our identity is a little bit more, you can probably see from our work, the type of work and the type of clients that we work with and certainly the ones that we don't. Um, I don't know, I, I'll ask you back the same question, Johnny. Has it changed? I mean, we don't consciously look at it. We, we try to do as much, we try to talk as much. Um, sometimes it's just physically bonkers busy, you can't do everything. But from an outside perspective, when I look at see it, there's, there's definitely a feeling of elegance in what you do. There's an ele- element of beauty. And I, the fact that you've done work with Christie's and DNAD and those type of clients, it makes it, there's, a, there's a feeling of, I don't want to say purist, but the, there's an elegance to what you do. And I like that. And, and, it, and, it, and it's classy. And that and I get this feeling and it without being pretentious it still feels raw and it's true to design and it's true to design values and there's this there's this real um connection with craft I get across and that comes across really well I think that that is the one yeah the reduction that's what we do that's what we try to do and I think every project is reduce it down to the absolute you know I've done believe you can probably see it in our work there's no point in over designing it just gets in the way and it's like the best architects know when to stop but the idea of craft I mean I came from a craft uh, college you know where uh, where I studied Newcastle there was thankfully lots of screen printing uh, letterpress uh, print or physically seeing things being made and you can apply that craft to typography or film, or editing, or identity systems. And I think the, you know, if you're going to produce something, it's got to be good. And I'm, what I mean by that, it just needs, you know, it's got to work. It's got to, and you go through, whether it's a pack, I'm thinking about that because there's a packaging project. Um, and, and how it works, how it responsibly works, and how it feels is so important. So that, that idea of craft, which 
sadly, sometimes I think is lost because the excuse is it's fine, it's digital, it's transient. Well, no, if, if you're going to do something, do it well, you know, and take that time. It does take us a little bit longer sometimes, but I'd rather it be right. So I think there is, C has always had a craft in there. You know, we, from an obvious craft perspective of working with certain companies that produce to the idea of um, identity being a crafted thing. Because at some point, someone's just going to see one element alone, and that's still got to be beautiful. You know, whether it's a book, whether it's a poster, um, or whether it's something that digitally flies from your phone and is never seen. So we do obsess. I think there's an obsession, there's a craft, and there's that reduction that always um, has been with us for, and will always be with us because, you know what, it's, it's like the classic poster on the tube, the ones that are typographic dandruff, forget it. You will never, you never read it in your life, but time, date, place, boom. Um, Finn Crowell did a wonderful talk when we, we had a, an exhibition of his work in our old studio. And then the, the evening, he, he spoke about um, posters from Stavlik, and he'd observed a few posters on the London underground. And he made his comments about, people haven't got time. You know, you've got to see a poster and you've got to get it or you've gone and you're lost. It's, it's the same about design and identity. You've got to get to the point. So I think that's what same. we do. Yeah, and I, I, I see that all the time when I'm driving in my car and I'm behind a bus and there's a poster in front of me um, it's got like size eight point font on it and it, you can't see the logo and you can't even see the title. And I agree, there's there's an art to to urban urban design and urban advertising. You know, we're either walking past, we've got these umbrellas everywhere or we're on a bus and we're moving around and there is there is a an intelligence to designing for purpose you know I think when we're looking at design functionality always comes first and the art comes second and we've got to look at the functionality of what we're designing and I, and I suppose that's something that comes across with C is that it is very very functional although when I speak to people like yourself who who lead brand identity agencies or brand agencies actually when I speak to them they they speak more like commercial artists that they that that they are it, you know, everything leads back to the art side of things but then surrounded by functional design and I suppose that's the dance isn't it is to make things fit for purpose and how to sculpt them so they're smart and beautiful in their own in their own right and I suppose the agencies that can dance the dance and get that right are the ones that create great work. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's also the, the pride of seeing our identities that are still in action. Uh, and, you know, after, and I think I'll probably be horrified if any, anyone will be re-engineered. And, and you think about, um, you know, you think about it in changing, ever-changing worlds of CEOs and marketing directors and chairmen and da-da-da. The one thing they want to do is, well, let's re-look at the logo, let's re, and, and I think, Looking back at the projects of the last year, uh, the new projects that we've had in are not about, let's have a new logo. That's about moving an identity on. How can you do something, recraft it? Christie's was a good example. You know, it wasn't about sort of a reinvention. It was just a craft um, and a system that 
allowed teams around the world to work um, consistently. You know, so so it's not all about that sort of right. Get rid of the logo because you want to do a logo. Um, and a lot of these brands tend to have uh, hundreds of years of heritage. Uh, one in particular working with at the moment goes back to seventeen something or other. Um, and and it's it's you know it's choosing a moment there of refinement, refinement, but an identity that looks refreshed and looks new and and ready for now is is a is a bit of an art that's the word there it's refresh you know refresh re-energize reimagine but not rebrand we are, we're so used to thinking well you know we may have got a bit stagnant and things aren't moving in the right direction or we just need to feel a bit different with what we're doing and a lot of organizations they rebrand and that's not always i i heard an interview not that long ago that we should only rebrand when we're moving into a new market and we're we need to create an, an, a different identity for a different marketplace you know and the same marketplace sometimes it's just about just about shaking things up a little bit and actually you know, bringing it in a new way and package it up in a new way that's going to connect with life as we as life as it is right now. But yeah, I love that re refresh, re energize. I mean, a lot of a lot of these businesses, these brands, just carry on as though two decades nothing has changed. You know, think about what's happened in the last five years, two years, this year. You know, it's it's such it's very dramatic, and I think we're living in in really dramatic, uh, I actually think about what, um, we've just started a 25 year book. We've done a 10, we've done a 20. I just thought I, I can't be bothered to wait to 30. I'm just gonna do a halfway house. And I, I don't really know what to put in it. Uh, you know, is it just a gathering of, and it may be, we looked at a few projects from the first five years. Um, we did a book inspiringly called 20, because we were 20. And um, it's funny that it just feels such a long time ago and not a huge amount of sort of things happen. But think about the change in the last five years or 10 years. It's so quick. Um, and I think that's where things are changing. And as, as designers, it's fun. Because like we were saying earlier, there's just, you know, that shopping list of things 20 years ago was about that big. Now it's that big. Um, and it does give, it, it just gives more energy and the teams that help put these things together, everyone's working in different sections, whether there's something on digital, something on print, something on physical. Um, yeah, I, I, it is. I, I didn't think about it like that. Um, we've been looking at some of the projects, which of course were purely analog um, and think, God, how boring. You want something to move, you know, you want... To, to show how it would work um but yeah yeah it is interesting okay so i'm gonna jump on my quick fire questions now they're never quick so we'll call them fire questions but they do often give the best answers first question is a question i ask all my guests but what's the most important thing that you've learned in the past two years um two years wow okay um don't give up. Just don't give up. I mean, in those early March 2020, March, April, May months, there's a few friends of ours who've got agencies or different business architects or photographers. We all spoke to each other and we all told each other, don't give up because there's, you know, it might feel really 
uh, gloomy, but it's not about gloom and stuff like that. I think I always feel that about each year because there's jobs that you win. Most of the time you lose things. You don't get, you can't get anywhere near uh, how many you go for. Um, and sometimes it is soul destroying. I think, you know, you know, rejection as a designer is, you've got to get used to it. It is part of it. And I think just don't give up. You can't. What, you know, what choice is there? Short and sweet. Yeah, great. No, that's really good. This is a difficult one to answer this one. Your biggest weakness? Um, I can probably answer that from uh, our um, project managers because I always say yes to pretty much every project. And we can't, we can't, physically can't, and some jobs are not right for me. I probably remember when we were about a week into the business when anything counts, you know, in terms of staying in business. So probably my biggest weakness is yes. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, no problem. Um, and I'll say yes without asking. And then there'll be a meeting a few days later. And, and how are we going to do that, Brian? Oh, oh, it, it will be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, so I'm guessing I, I love new projects. I actually love um, maybe my boredom threshold is relatively low because I'd love starting a new one, another one, another one. Um, yeah, yeah. I should say no a bit more. I, I skipped a question earlier on because I'm mindful of time, but I might actually jump into that one. But what, when when are you at your happiest at work? What's what's the thing that gets you excited? I I think well, it's it's obviously when there's multiple jobs going on. It's busy, busy, busy. I love being busy, and I love when the team are all back together. I I really didn't like that summer. I know a lot of businesses have thrived and done really well out of it. I'm happiest when the team's around us and, and we're all together. Fridays tends to be a quiet day, working from home Friday, classic. Um, but I, I do, I love that when everyone's together and we're buzzing on a new project or we're in the middle of one or we've, we're, we're finishing and launching one. But I think when we're all together, and it's, a, it's always been a relatively tight-knit team, let's see, um, uh, roughly about sort of same size, but we... Um, we argue the toss, but you know that's that's the point, isn't it? You know that that's what makes it stronger. So I think that I think I'm always happy when we're we're in that um, when we're all together. Yeah, I love it. I think a lot of people call it flow, don't they? When you're in the flow and you know everyone's kind of like buzzing off each other. It seems to be the most efficient and creative when we're the busiest. You know, it's that classic of. We can always add another project in, but it's somehow those plates are spun and it all, it all seems to work. You know, we've got, you know, as well as the team, we've got people who manage these things and you know, that, that's their job. It's really hard, but um, I just keep saying yes. Yeah. <laughs> it annoys the hell out of them, but it's fine. Great, yeah, I love it. Um, okay. Your toughest decision? Um... Uh, I, I don't know, actually. Toughest decision is probably, um, there's a few, actually, that I just ask a really good question. Um, we moved studios six years ago. That was a real emotionally tough decision because we'd been in the previous place for about 14 years. I loved it, but the studio didn't work. It was sort of tall and thin. It's just around the corner from us. But it, what it did, it separated the, 
the studio because there was only a few people on each floor. It was like a classic little Dutch building. Um, so it was a really big emotional um, decision to find where we are now. Um, and I think it took about, what are we, we're in four, uh, sorry, six years now. I think the first three years didn't work. I'm really honest, it just for whatever reason, um, the space, I mean, it's all open, we're, we're on three floors, but everyone can hear it, each other. Um, and I think it took a while to learn what that space was all about. I think we fully learned what it was about when we were in lockdown and when we came back, we completely re-looked at the space and thought, why on earth did we do that? So we now work across all the different floors. And so I think that was a difficult decision. Um, other difficult decisions, um, I don't know, I think, I think um, turning work down, just turning those jobs down because you, if you did tackle everything, and I don't, I don't say yes to everything, it's, it's more lighthearted, but it's really hard to say no. It's really hard to sort of um, confidently, and especially the, the, the roller coaster that we've all been through uh, recently, uh, but some jobs are just not right for you. And I've done that in the past, and I've said yes, knowing damn well, hand on heart, or you, you just know, don't you? There's something about it that just isn't right for you. Um, uh, but it's still a difficult to say, look, I... Well, gut feelings go a long way, don't they? But you're a businessman at the end of the day, and you've got to, you know, you've got to be looking at the business side of things. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a culprit to that. I've had gut where something's come in, it, you know, it seems like a good opportunity, but your gut's thinking, oh, I'm not too sure about this. And at the end, you think I should have just gone with my gut, and you kind of know when you know. Your gut does tell you a lot, and I think we we do survive on gut reaction um, in in all of what we do. I think. But I think a lot of it is I, I always think, oh, maybe I can find a way. Maybe I can just design this. And I do see them as challenges that, okay, they're really a, a tough nut. They're either stuck in their way. They're not going to be that interested. I do see them sometimes as a bit of a challenge that you just want to have a go. But sadly, sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Most of the time, it doesn't work out that way. It's also interesting what you mentioned about space as well. I, I hear that quite often that everyone's not thinking, well, they're thinking about space at work and at home. I see people working at home now, people just spending a lot of time in their houses, probably looking up at the cracks at the wall and, 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 and their rooms thinking, actually, why do we live like this? But it's interesting at work as well that many people are, are changing the, the sort of open plan office. Uh, people are changing, removing offices and desks and maybe more moving to hot desking. Some people are just taking the desks out altogether and getting more creative spaces. But we're so used to just creating offices like everyone else's offices. And actually now looking back thinking, is this fit for purpose? Is there a better way of doing this? And as designers, we're in a good position to do that because we can look at it. Is it functional? What's the what's the most functional way that we can all be together and create our best work? Yeah, yeah. I, there was a there's a great uh, article that a friend of ours, a client Ben Adams, the architect, who this whole idea of redesigning office space or studio space or um, that it's been going on for years but we haven't had an excuse to 
do something about it. We've just been day in, day out, got to get to the end of the week, next week. I think that the, the lovely thing of what's happened recently, everyone's paused, everyone's sort of had a re-look at either their, their house, their cracks on the walls, and the cracks in the walls in their own studios and being able to, I, I, you know, even though it was terrible and horrible that few months, it, it actually has changed things for good, I think. And I now see the studio, it, it performs a lot better. There's, you know, we'll never run out of space here because no one's really in 100% all of the week. So there is a flex. Um, and when we are in a certain mode, we could be anywhere, but when we're sort of starting those projects. So um, I, I, how we use, how we use spaces uh, is, I think is more interesting, more exciting. And um, I'll, I'll send you that article. It's quite interesting. Yeah, great. Thank you. So one of the things as a brand strategist, one of the things that I do, I, I working with my clients, I like to find the core truth of a brand. Well, what's really important to them where are they going? What gets them up in the morning? What's their kind of North Star? Where are they working towards? Now, that normally comes in a, like a purpose level. What's their purpose? Purpose is a bit, can be a bit of a fluffy, fluffy word. My interpretation of purpose is that it's your highest level of contribution. So in terms of your work and the work that you do at sea, what, how, what do you feel is your highest level of contribution? To, to design or just, just just how we go about things? Either or, whatever's in, what's the most important thing to you? I think, I think the, the idea that um, design communicates, that's it. You know, I, I think I'm a big believer. I know, you know, like music, there's all forms of design and uh, everything doesn't fall into one category or there'd be a rather long queue. But I, I, I see it as, you know, simple communication uncluttered it, it nothing gets in the way of it or else it's not communication um and it's just a visual thing um i i think there's a real functionality about design but at the same time it can be absolutely beautiful um i don't i'm not a massive fan of clutter and overlaying and because i i don't have time and maybe it's down to my sort of short attention span I think I, I read design as, I, as we design it, quick and simple. And if it's not there, it shouldn't, it's not needed. It, there's, mm. there's, like an, a, there's an economy of, of how you put things together. And you can tell a story, you can tell a truth and a purpose um, uh, without any shadow of a doubt. It's like the best ever poster that you will remember in a nano um back to those cheap posters again but it is it's that absolute unclutter so if you know we we've always been lucky to attract the similar like-minded designers that have different takes on that principle um but probably about 80 percent of the design team has come straight from college we, we i absolutely obsess over uh intern to a little bit longer in terms of junior to mid to senior. There's been a lot of people have gone through that, you know, uh, that period of, and I, I love that. You know, we, we took a, an intern on in uh, 2020, right in the middle of lockdown, which was like, oh my God. Um, but I sort of felt 
And I think all studios have got to feel as though they're responsible for that because we all remember graduating without a job and we were trying desperately to get into this industry of ours. So I think it is part of our, and it's part of C's way of doing things. It's, it's always been our way of interns. And, our, and, and when you do have these interns that progress, it's how you um, explain our way. And it's over a period of time. And then it's weird, you see it, all of a sudden it clicks. You can see designers that they uh, design in a more efficient way and in a more economic way. Um, and you communicate quicker. Um, yeah, I think I, I totally agree with that. I think we, as an agency, I think we all have a responsibility to pass the ladder down. Um, I often, we, we take on interns regularly uh, and placements. And I often hear from a lot of design, you know, young designers, whether they be students or graduates, just saying that no one gets back to them. It's really difficult to get a conversation. It's really difficult to, they always feel like they're looking over the garden fence of what the industry looks like. So we've always try and, and, and give a leg up to someone. And if someone contacts us and maybe their portfolio is not ready and they're not ready, um, I always try and kind of signpost them to a, a good book to read or a good video to watch or a good YouTube series and just trying to give them maybe a little bit more to their artillery to to get them to encourage well, to encourage them to learn and, and just sort of keep working on their work and their craft but yeah I, I really like the fact that you said that and I, I think it's also really interesting that how you nurture talent um, and to become confident designers to become talented designers and you know that's that's really refreshing to hear that that you're, you're nurturing talent within C. But it's also a pride, John. You, you, I have immense pride of um, seeing designers progress. Um, sadly, when some of them disappear because they become very close friends, uh, but when they do, you see them fly and progress in other uh, parts of the design world, and that's lovely because, in a way. Uh, every if every studio did that, our industry would be as healthy for for generations to come. Sadly, certain ladders are pulled up at, at different places. They don't believe in that. I don't know why it should be part of. Um, I enjoy it as well as um, sitting, you know, working with uh, graduates, young designers, because that talent can't be lost. That generation in twenty twenty two, bugger me. You know, we lost so many in that year. And I think we're all uh, getting back on our feet. But I think we all have to look and try and grab a few who may be lost in the cracks. Um, it, it's a big part. We've got to nurture that. We've got to, you know, and, and relatively small studios. Um, you just maybe have to have that in mind. We, we often, I mean, it, it's always difficult because we do get you know, uh, a lot of CVs, a lot of portfolios, but um, when we interview, there's, there's uh, if people are not quite right, it's pointless saying you're not quite right. We will always try as much as possible. One in particular, I, we jumped onto Zoom and said, look, I really love your person, but what about this, this, this? Got to, you know, we've got to be able, we kept in touch with him. Um, and I think, you know, there's, it might seem obvious to us because we've been doing it so bloody long. It's not obvious if you've just graduated or if you're in your first couple of years. Um, and it's, it's pretty much how um, 
I, I went for um, to, to get onto a roster of a of a big company about twenty years ago, and the the designer who headed it up is quite a famous designer, uh, and I was sort of nervous rocking up with my portfolio, and I showed him one job, showed him another, and I just about to show him my third job, and he said, "Surely you've shown me your best works to date," and I, I just I, yes yeah you're probably right you know but i had about 25 other jobs in my bag that i wanted to show him and i think it's a really good lesson that look just get to the point i'm sure a few jobs you can get it and you can get that vibe in a few jobs anyway good or bad um and people don't have a huge amount of time um it, and it's always uh soul destroying when you see the file that says 48 pages <laughs> and you just go oh dear yeah, I, 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 spend a, I do a lot of work with universities and spend a lot of time with third years and graduates. And often that question comes up, you know, what, what should I be doing to get seen by agencies or you know, start my career or, you know, get in, have get interviews or just basically get into a junior role. And I always say that, you know, when you're contacting art directors, creative directors or anyone in an agency, just show your best pieces of work, whether it is, it's your university work or whether it's something you did two years ago or it's something that you're doing, currently working on, just show your best work. And, and same with your website, et cetera. Yeah, John, we do. We explain the same thing back to graduates or younger designers to say, look, it's no different from us. We don't show our, you know, back catalogue. We'll show four maybe five jobs and my view if you can't get them by four or five jobs nothing will you know so it, it works both ways and you, you just say look you know we've we've been in this long enough to understand that people have probably got about five minutes and you've got to show them straight as you say show them the best things um and put a smile in your face and hopefully they'll smile back and you've got it yeah well, brilliant that's the Cool. Well, we've come, come to the end of the show already. I can't believe how quickly this has gone. But um, the title of this show is called Enlightened Brand Strategy. And for me, enlightened is a, a pathway or a, a direction for positive change and growth. Brand is an identity within a perceived space and strategy is a game plan. But how can brands create a, a, a brand that is is there for positive change and growth what can they do to make a positive difference in the world um i want to uh completely revolutionize whatever they're doing we've also attracted the ones with very strong ethical purpose and i think that idea that businesses can create profit and reduce impact at the same time is uh, absolutely uh, the right way. Businesses right now, every business, you, I, small, medium, large, we all have a, a, an impact in some way. I think the brands that, that have that at heart are the ones that feel, feel comfortable. The ones that just don't, it just doesn't feel right. Just, just, just feel slightly ajar with what's going on in the world. Um, we've been lucky enough to work with a few of those type of companies. Uh, they tend to be B Corp. Uh, there's one in particular, a uh, fashion label called uh, Balkan, um, headed up by Balkan and her husband, Joff. And their ethics about doing anything with their business, especially in fashion, and fashion is not a good world generally, 
of being an example to clean up that image of how responsible. So it, it, and it's all delivered in that brand. And, and to be honest, that's probably one of the most powerful messages you can ever deliver, not just by me. Yeah, I love it. I mentioned about the, they're cleaning up that world. I think we've all got responsibility to clean up our inner world. So our own business, maybe our sort of slightly wider network and then our industry. If we can clean up our industry and be a be a beacon for that, be a, a voice, be a, a change maker. If, if we can even just do that 1% a little bit, if we could all do that, then we the world would be a better place. There would be, I mean, it's always been this conversation that there aren't, there is no sense, there is no one thing that designers sign up to. DNAD won't do wonderful uh, work about design education um, and design uh, and creativity standards. But the d- design hasn't, you know, architects have Reba. Um, other business worlds have their sort of charters. We, we don't have that one thing that we all sign up to. And I think until we get that, we're, we're all feeding off either what we hear, what we see, uh, or how we feel about the, the work and the type of clients that we work alongside. Um, maybe, Johnny, that's your job. You've, you've got <laughs> I'll that do my on, best. you put that on your to-do list for next week. Yeah, I'll do. I'll do. I, this is quite funny, actually, because my, my role as a designer, as a brand strategist has changed over the last few years. And I I was kind of thinking about it and I was quite passionate about positive change and growth. Enlightenment came to me from the work that I do with my clients. So I obviously do brand strategy with my clients. And when we kind of had these conversations, when I was asking meaningful questions about the core truth of who they are and what they wanted, that's when they opened the doors to me. That's when they were having honest conversations about who they were, the all, like, all the things that were going wrong, their challenges, their problems, and how they could solve it. And I think one day someone said to me, this is really enlightening. And it kind of stuck with me that that process of discovery, and it's almost like personal development for businesses, is enlightening is is enlightening and then from there i've just jumped on that and i just and that's the work that i feel most comfortable with is working with organizations and businesses finding out the core truth finding out about what they're really passionate about and how they can make a positive change because indivi- individually we can do a lot but as collectives as communities as businesses we can do an awful amount and I truly believe it, especially now with this kind of weird world that we're living in, this is the best time for people to talk, to be heard and actually make a make a positive difference. So mm-hmm. I'll accept that challenge, Brian, and I'm going to do my best to. I think we'll all go for it. Yeah, why not? It's a double act. Yeah, cool. yeah go ahead. Brian, for anyone that's listening to the show today, how can they connect with you? And where can we send them to find out more about the work that you do at Sea? Well, they can they can go to to the web where we uh, across all our social media um, uh, connect. If you're uh, um, an inquisitive student or graduate, we we always we're always looking for new uh, members to join the team. Um, so and and we do you know we attract some really lovely people and sadly not always 
uh, is the right time. But weird enough, we've kept in touch with people when it is the right time for both uh, ourselves and other designers. So get in touch. My email is above there. And I'm sure that you're going to just paste it across. I will. I'll put all your the, the details in the show notes and um, I'll also put it in the comments in the bio wherever this video goes. But Brian, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, legend. Sir. Have an awesome Christmas and hopefully we'll catch up in the new year. Brilliant. Thanks, Johnny. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Brian. As you can see and hear, Brian is an inspiring guy. His approach and the way that he runs his agency is really unique and that him and his team really focus on the craft and the art and the design side of brand building and really kind of focusing on the craft and making things look beautiful and smart. If you want to find out more about Brian, I'll put his details in the show notes and I'll also put them in the, the bio or the comments if you're watching this on video. But I hope you found that useful. If you do know anyone that would like these interviews or like my content, please do like and share it or subscribe. I'd really appreciate it. But as always, be useful, be kind, and I'll see you all soon. Bye-bye.